I want you to get your Bible, uh, look at Colossians chapter 3, looking at verse 16, 17 in the contemporary English version of Scripture. We're, we're in our series of what we are thankful for. How many of you, this is your third week of being here, hearing the messages? You've gotten to hear all of them so far. Well, that's great. Uh, just a brief recap of what we've talked about. Um, on that very first week, we talked about how that we were thankful for the power of prayer. And what prayers that are prayed according to Scripture uh, by effectual uh, righteous people are so powerful in what they produce. We believe in the power of prayer because we have seen it in our own lives. And so I am thankful for what prayer produces when it is prayed the right way according to Scripture, the power that accompanies that prayer. And then secondly, last week we talked about how that we're thankful for the peace that comes from belonging to the family of God. Remember? And we said, man, we're so thankful to be in the family, yet there, when we claim to be a part of the family, there are responsibilities that come with that. And we learned a simple little formula, be let be. Um, we, we talked about how that we are going to be sympathetic and kind and generous and kind-hearted and, and on and on and on. We're going to be those things. We're going to let the peace of Christ control us. And then we are going to be thankful. And uh, then this week, we're going to talk about how that we are thankful for purpose that comes from our worship. So, so far, we've, we've talked about power from prayer. We've talked about peace from belonging. Today, we're going to talk about purpose from our worship. And so look at verse 16. It says, let the message about Christ completely fill your lives while you use all your wisdom to teach and to instruct each other with thankful hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you say or do should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus as you give thanks to God the Father because of him. Now, if you're paying attention, you will recognize that we are simply, our text is simply picking up where we left off last week. Right last week we hit um, 12 through 15. Today we're picking up 16, 17. And we're going to give you yet another little simple formula to remember about this purpose, about what purpose is going to be. We want to talk about purpose. So, um, you know, all of us are trying to, if we have not yet already done so, trying to determine what is our purpose in this life. I spend a lot of time visiting with people, counseling people over the years with them trying to determine what is their purpose for life. Why are they on the planet? What are they here to do? And I'm going to answer that for you today very simply, very easily. And as soon as you will accept, acknowledge, and adopt this purpose, your life is going to be significantly more peaceful and productive whenever you begin to, uh, begin to adopt and accomplish the purpose of God for your life. So, uh, you know, everybody and everything has a purpose. One day, uh, the little kids were riding in the Sunday school van on the way home from church, and they passed a big fire truck, and in the passenger seat of the fire truck was a Dalmatian dog. And the kids began to discuss the purpose of that dog. And the first one said, well, the reason that they have the dog with them is because when they get to the fire, it's what keeps the crowds back. And one of the other ones said, no, that, that's not what's going on. They said, they have that dog. If you ever notice, they're patting that dog on the head. It's there for good luck. One little girl said, all of y'all are wrong. She said, I know why they have the dog. He said, 
As soon as they get to the fire, the dog helps them find the fire hydrant. Some of y'all are like, what? You'll get there. We'll wait on you. What are we here for? Some people spend years of their lives trying to figure that out. Here it is. If you want it, write it down. I'll give it to you real quick, and then from here I'm going to go on. Here is every person's purpose for being on the planet. Your personal purpose statement. To worship and bring glory to God so others will know him as we do. Say, oh, come on now, Pastor, there's more to it than that. No, that's it. There's a lot of other things that go into your life. There's a lot of other things that accompany your life. A lot of other blessings that, that will come along with that. A lot of other things and places life will take you. A lot of things you will accomplish and do. But the purpose for you being here, the reason you are here, is to bring glory and praise to God and to point others to him so they can know him the way you do. That's why we're here. So how am I going to bring him glory? And I want you to, I'm going to point out something to you very quickly that we find as a common denominator so far in all three weeks. All three weeks we see this. It says to do this from a thankful heart. There's that thankful heart. Three weeks in a row. Three weeks in a row we find this thankful heart. I am, whatever it is that I'm learning, whatever it is I'm doing this week, I'm doing this from a thankful heart. So we pray. Remember from week one, when we pray from a thankful heart in obedience, right? Last week, there's a peace that comes from belonging in the family when we serve from a thankful heart. And then this week, there is purpose for my life when I acknowledge that and worship from a thankful heart. That thankful heart is always this common denominator in what we're talking about here. So for the third week, there it is. Now, you remember last week's simple formula was be, let be. Remember? Be, let be. We're going to be sympathetic. We're going to be kind. We're going to be forgiving. We're going to be forbearing. La, la, la. We're going to be. We're going to be good things. We're going to let the peace of Christ control us. And we're going to be thankful. That was, what, that was the formula that we learned last week. I got a new one for you this week. I want everybody to say this with me. Sing, say, do. It is not an oriental phrase of any kind. I know there's somebody here that probably speaks Chinese or Japanese or Mandarin or whatever. You'll come up to me after church and say, do you know what you said? And I am praying in the Holy Ghost that I'm not saying anything bad. But it's sing, say, do. That's what we're going to talk about today. Sing, say, do is the way that we are going to accomplish our purpose on this planet. This is how we're going to bring glory and praise to God. Sing, say, do. You can remember that. It's easy. Sing, say, do. With a thankful heart, with a thankful heart, I'm going to sing, say, and do. Sing, say, and do is the way that I'm going to bring praise and worship and glory to God. Now you think, oh, he's talking about worship. So he's talking about what we do on the platform here for 30 minutes in a service once a week. Wouldn't that be sad if that's all of our that that's all our worship constituted? If all our worship was was just coming in here and we got this excellent team. I'm great. I love our worship every week. I'm so grateful. I love it every week. Uh, even when I'm not out here, I'm right I, you know, I'm back there. You're like, "Wonder why he doesn't ever come out during all the worship?" Well, I'm back there worshiping, but I'm in it. I'm I'm right back there and I'm I'm I I stand a lot during the day on Sunday, so 
I'm back, rather than sit here, I sit back there so you don't have to see me sitting out on the front seat. But I am sitting back there enthralled in this worship. I'm a part of this worship, just as you are, in both services. And I said this morning uh, to, to Chad, who was standing back there with me for a few minutes, I said, these guys are just good. I mean, I, you know, we, we, may not, we may not be elevation, but we don't have 7 million people in, in Fayetteville. We got... 50, you know, we got 70,000 people in Fayetteville, so we don't have 7 million people in our congregation. But I said, these guys are just good. They're just good no matter where they go. And I'm thankful for the excellence that we have on this platform. But I'm going to tell you all something. What they're doing, they are leading us. They're not necessarily, they're, they're leading worship. That's the, that's the idea. But what their job is, is to prepare us to be able to receive the word so that our lives will be changed by that. They're, they are emulating worship, but if that's the only worship that you ever participate in on a weekly basis, you're starving to death for worship. Our life is way, way, way more about more than just singing a few songs on a Sunday morning. In fact, sing is just one of the three of our formula. Sing, say, do. We're going to worship God with far more than just what we do in this room because what we do in this room is inward. There's 99% of our time is spent outside of this room. That's where we need to be glorifying God, worshiping God all the time with the way that we sing and we say and we do. So I'm going to break those down for you very quickly because I want you to understand a little bit more about this perhaps. When it says sing, this is how we offer him praise. When singing is worship. Uh, but it's the singing aspect of worship and praise. It's how we offer him up praise. The scripture says, with thankful hearts, we sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's what I want to talk about in just a second. I want to break down what those are. How many of you know the difference between, between psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? I'm about to give that to you. I'm going to tell you what they are. Here's what a psalm is. A psalm is music that's set to scripture. That's why a psalm is always true, it's always powerful, and it's always accurate because there's nothing added to it or taken away. It is simply the word of God and somebody has set music to that. And so when you sing God's word, it's going to be powerful. It is going to be amazing, amazingly anointed. But psalms are God's word set to music. Hymns are something a little bit different. Hymns are religious songs that are based on God, on who he is and what he's done. Now, they're based on scripture, but they're not written from scripture, but they're certainly based on it. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, and they're timeless, by the way. Both, both psalms and hymns are pretty much timeless. Uh, a hymn, you know, you can change a time signature uh, you can, you can, you can, there's a few, you can change a few keys. There's a few things you could do with a hymn, but basically hymns are things like there's power in the blood. I mean, that's scripture. It's not quoted, but that's scripture. Amazing grace is based on scripture. And hymns are pretty much timeless as the same, the same with Psalms. They're pretty much timeless throughout our history Amazing Grace is still just as cool 
as it was when it was written. It's timeless. It is a hymn. That brings me to spiritual songs. Spiritual songs are each generation's interpretation of how they view or embrace or know God. And these change all the time because culture changes all the time. Each generation expresses itself uniquely. And that's why spiritual songs constantly change. So that's why you see us up here, we're constantly changing our spiritual songs. But when we sing hymns, they're hymns. When we sing psalms, they're psalms. When we, speak, when we sing spiritual songs, they change. And, and if you've been around as long as I have, some of you have been around longer than I have, you, you will remember a song uh, that, that folks used to sing way back probably in the 70s, and it was a song called uh, 70s and 80s. Um, by the 80s, I was, taking, I was in Bible college, and I was, I was a music major at that time, and I was learning about um, comp and rent, different things of, of, of music, and even by the 80s, this song was dated enough that my, my theory teacher was already making fun of it in the 80s, all right? It was a spiritual song called Old Buddha. Some of y'all, now some of you are giggling because you remember, it won't be Old Buddha. You remember? Some of y'all remember Old Buddha. Some of y'all, you're like, man, I never heard Old Buddha. You can look up Imperials after a while and listen to Old Buddha. It was a stupid song. It just was. That's why it was faddish. It didn't have a long shelf life. People sang it. Back in the day, we used to sing specials at church. And people would get up and sing a special. And they, people went out and got the soundtrack and they sing Old Buddha. Because it was a cool song in its time. And it was, it, it, for its generation, there were some, it didn't represent all of us, but there were some people in that generation that thought Old Buddha was a cool song. And so they would sing it at church, and now we giggle about that. But I'm telling you, some of the songs that you get so teary-eyed about right now and really love, 20 years from now, people are going to be like, good night. You know, there's, there's certain generations that they talk about each other's generations of songs, and they'll say, man, our songs had meaning. Have you ever heard that? Our songs had meaning. These kids today... It's just chants and incantations and just memorized, wrote over and over and over. They sing the same phrase 7,000 times. Well, if that's what's moving them, it's okay. Now, there's a real good chance in 30 years, they probably won't still be singing that song. Because there'll be new spiritual songs that'll be written that will move people. So I want you to understand the difference. So before you, before you ever become one of those people who out of ignorance says... Why can't we just sing them old songs? Because we can't. God has put it in every generation to learn to express themselves uniquely. And so if you're 25 right now, your songs are the coolest you've ever heard, but by the time you get to be 45, you're going to still love your songs that you're loving right now, and your kids are going to be like, oh, my lands. Why don't they like the new stuff? This is how it works. But... Psalms, the word of God, set to music. Uh, hymns, written on the nature of God. They very, those very rarely change. Uh, but spiritual songs change all the time. But the scripture says that we are to, that in, with thankful hearts we are to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God, about God, 
to bring him glory and praise and to point others to him. This is one of the ways that we worship. So my question to you is, what are you singing? What are you singing? You say, well, I sing the same thing you did, Pastor. No, 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 I'm talking about on Monday. I'm not talking about on Sunday at 915, 11:15. I'm talking about what are you going to sing this afternoon when you get in your car? What is the song in your heart? What are you doing with that area of your life to bring praise and glory and worship to God? Let's move on. Number two says that we will worship him with what we say. We had sing, say. Colossians 3, 17, whatever you say. You go back to 16 and it says, let the message about Christ completely fill your lives while you use all your wisdom to teach and instruct each other. The last one was how we offer up our praise. This one is how we tell of his goodness. This is how we tell. Saying is how do we tell? What, how do we talk about God? How do you talk about God? Man, I pray that none of you use his name as a cuss word. Christians, oh my lands, Christians, please never take the name of your Lord your God in vain. And that doesn't just mean saying it and putting, you know, what beavers build in rivers behind it. It can also just be that flippant, oh my God. Every time something happens, oh my God. It should send cringes through a believer's up and down their spine when they hear people flippantly use God's name. And most of the time, a lot of time when people use God's name that way, it's accompanied by something stupid or there's cursing that came before or after. It's amazing the way that we disrespect the name of our God. We need to be careful about what we say because what we say is representative of our worship just like what we sing. So say happens various ways. Let me give you those. To say is to teach God's word and about his nature and his character. That's one of the ways we say. Happens in, in, in formats like these. Happens in pulpits, teaching, preaching, communication, where that we are teaching or preaching the word of God. We're teaching people about his nature. We're teaching them about his character. A second way to say is when we instruct others about God's ways, will, or word, which can happen in a Sunday school setting or can happen in your car, can happen in a break room at work. This can happen anywhere that you are instructing someone about the way, the, way, the will, and the word of God. And the third way that we speak is to when we speak to others about God in ways that bring him glory, pointing everybody to him in all the ways that we speak. So that one's, not just in, that one's not just church or you answering a question of someone. Now we're talking about your very conversation. How is it that you speak? My, now that you know that we are here to worship God with what we say, then let me ask you this question. How are you using your mouth? What are you allowing to speak from your mouth? What, are, what words are you allowing to come forth out from your lips? You speak from the innermost part of your spirit. That's what the word says. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. What are you saying? As his children, we should be saying things with thankful hearts 
in order to bring him glory and worship. What are you using your mouth to say? Man, I'll tell you, that, that, one, that, that one right there, uh, that, one's, that one's worth dwelling on a minute because you're using your mouth for one of two things. You're either using your mouth to bring God glory or to bring yourself glory. And the way you could tell the person's bringing it to themselves is whenever they open their mouth, it's always about them. They're either whining or complaining or crying or, or else they're the life of the party telling jokes to get the attention. Something, but whatever it is, whenever they speak, everybody around them knows they're, getting, they're trying to get attention again. However they do that, through sympathy or through jokes or whatever it might be, here they go again because when they open their mouth, very rarely is it to give God glory, it's to bring attention to themselves. It's quiet, but that's good stuff. So ask yourself, how am I conversing? How am I speaking? How do I use the majority of, of my vocal ability? Is it in such a way that brings God glory, or, is it, or am I doing things to bring glory to myself? And the third thing that we do when it comes to our worship is what we do. Here, this one is how we live. The first one is how we offer praise. The second one is how we tell of his goodness. This one is how we live for his glory. So in Colossians 3.17, it talks about whatever you say or do. Now, do is everything, guys. Do, if you're writing these down, do is where you go. You say, well, you know, pastor, I'm not going to get all into that. I'm not going to get all bound up. I'm going to go wherever I want to go. I'm standing on liberty. I'm standing fast in liberty. And so, you know, if I want to go down here to this place with these folks, I may not be doing what they're doing, but if I want to hang around with them, I can. I'm talking about for a minute, folks. Let's remember what Galatians said. Remember when Galatians talks about the liberty that we have in Christ? It says, stand fast in liberty where, uh, where we've been set free. But it goes on to say, but... But don't use that liberty as a stumbling block to a weaker brother. Right? So you get into that, we get into that whole uh, discussion of, yes, I am free. Yes, I am under grace. Maybe there are places I could go that I might not feel convicted of. But if you're going to be convicted of it, then I don't need you to see me there. Let me case in point. When I was a kid, I'm not kidding. When I was a kid, the old membership cards used to say on the back of the membership card, I will not attend ball games, rodeos, or movies because everybody knew back then that if the rapture came and if you was in one of those three places, you were going to split hell wide open. Rodeos, ball games, what was the other one? Movies, right? So, you know, uh, it was tough on me as a kid playing ball because when I was out on the basketball court playing, I was under the double whammy. I was like, if the, if the Lord comes, here I am at a ball game in shorts. You're like, what? I'm telling you guys, back in the day, things were a little different than what they are now. My nickname was Whitey. 
Because that's what your legs look like when you don't wear shorts anytime but on the basketball court because it's a sin everywhere else. So I'd be in, you know, if you're in a basketball court and you believe the membership card, you've got to pray every time you're on the court that the Lord don't come during the game because you got on shorts and you're at a ball game. And so, uh, you know, I went to a few rodeos too. I didn't feel quite as much conviction at the rodeo. But uh, I want you to know, first few times I went to a movie, I didn't go till I got old enough to be rebellious. When I got old enough, which for me that wasn't all that old, but when I got old enough to be rebellious, I, I went to the movies. I'm going to tell you something. I prayed the whole time I was there. I prayed during that movie, oh God, I pray you don't come, don't let the rapture come till I get out of this place. Because I don't want to go to hell over this movie. I'm here. I wanted to go to the movie, but I don't want to go to hell. Now, guys, hang on a minute. You know, if any of y'all are offended by that and you think it's a sin to go to a rodeo, then please don't go to a rodeo. If you think it's a sin to go to a ball game, then don't go. But I'm still going to go to ball games. And don't use your liberty against me. But I'm going to tell you something. If you see me at the movie theater, you're not going to see me standing in line for an R-rated movie. If I'm at the movie theater, I'm down there to see something decent, all right? So I'm careful. I'm, what I'm trying to make a point here is I'm careful about where I am and where I go because I don't just represent me. I represent you and I represent the Lord. But for all of those weaker brothers and sisters that would come back and say to, they'd get, first thing they'd do is take my picture and there it'd be on Facebook, hey, pastor's down here, at the, he's over here at the AMC and he's waiting in line to see an R-rated movie. No, I'm not. If you ever see somebody do, put that out, be sure and get right back with him. Say, no, he's not. He's not either. He said he's not. We got to be careful, though, about where we're going to go. I mean, that's a, that's a silly example. But there are other places that you will not see me. Because it's not just about personal conviction. It's about what's happening there that there is not anything happening there that's bringing glory to the Lord, and I'm not going to be there at all, because if you, I first of all don't want to be, but now if you saw me there, so funny, years ago, you know, we like to go every once in a while down to La Huerta. It's right next to the Gentleman's Club down here on college. You know where I'm talking about? You all know where I'm talking about. Y'all like, no, we don't even go to a restaurant that's even close to a place like that. It's a Mexican restaurant. And it's right next to a gentleman's club. But sometimes that Mexican restaurant gets real busy and there's no place to park. Woo, we've had fun taking pictures of each other's cars coming out of there. Somebody had to park over on the other side close to the gentleman's club. We'd come out and snap a photo. So if I go to La Huerta and there's no place to park close to La Huerta, I might just drive right on out because I'm not going to park at the gentleman's club and then you take a picture of my car and say, look where the pastor's hanging out because he wants to reach sinners. Because that's the excuse we use. I'm hanging down to club because I want to minister to people that are there. And I'm not drinking or I'm not doing it, but I, and I, don't feel, I don't feel like it's a sin. I'm just down there. I'm just hanging out down there because I'm trying to. But the scripture's talking about what, not so much about your liberty or your freedom in Christ, but what will it do to a weaker brother or sister 
if they see you there. So we're talking about worship now, and it's been quiet all morning. You're not the only ones. It was quiet the first round. So don't get to feeling bad about it. But we're talking about what we do, and, and what we do is all about where we go, and it's all about how you live. And here's another one. Gra- gra- you know, Grab your backside real quick, fellas. I'm going to talk about how do we spend our money. And some people will spend their money on a lot of things that may or may not be bringing the Lord glory. In fact, they don't pay their tithe so they'll have the money to spend it on things that won't bring the Lord glory. Because they can't afford to do both. I know I'm preaching now. Just say amen, I'll keep going. Another way of, another way of talking about what we do is what you do is who you spend your time with. Now, I have a lot of friends that are unbelievers, and I am trying to, always trying to win people to Christ and hang around them and be a good example. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of people that, that you know, you know that spending time with them is not going to be a positive thing for you. I've known a lot of young converts that were so zealous about reaching their friends after they came to Christ, and they would go right back into the pit that they came out of to try to bring them back, and instead of bringing somebody with them, they ended up back in it. you got to be real strong and ready before you start trying to cast that kind of a net. People say, well, Jesus, he went right to the woman at the well. Check it out. He went to the woman at the well. He didn't go down to the cat house. Some of you don't know what that is either. You'll look that one up after a while. That's a nice way of saying something without me saying another word. Jesus met a woman at the well, which is where everybody in town came to get their water, and there was no connotations, negative or positive, about it. It's just, if you wanted water, it's where you went to get it. Jesus wasn't hanging out at clubs, and Jesus was meeting people at sensible, logical places. Because here's why we're keeping this in our minds. When, when we're living our lives for his glory, his glory is the aim of all of our actions and our words. It, it all begins and ends with Jesus. And we're, we're living our life that way. I'm not, I didn't just say that as a cool sentence. I'm saying that that's, that is a way that we are attempting to live our lives as believers. Whatever I sing, whatever I say, whatever I do, I'm doing it because I want to bring glory to Jesus and I want to do it in such a way it's going to bring others to Christ. So C.S. Lewis, he put it this way. He said, the glory of God and as our only means to glorifying him, the salvation of human souls is the real business of life. R. Logan said it this way. This is a, you, you know, you probably aren't going to be able to write this down as too much, but this is a great personal purpose statement. He said, our purpose is to glorify God by making disciples of all people groups and multiplying churches so that believers worship God, win unbelievers to Christ, and become more like Christ. Isn't that a great purpose statement? So, My question to you then is, what are we doing? 
in light of do being a major part of our worship. Sing, say, do. Sing, say, do. Do. What are we doing? What are we doing? How are we living? What are we doing in order to bring glory to God? And then finally, Colossians 3, 17 tells us how we're to do all of these, okay? Now, I'm not adding or taking away from Scripture, but I'm going to put another word in this verse because it's not in this verse, but it's in verse 16. Verse 17 reads this way. It says, whatever you say or do, I'm going to add the word sing because sing is in 16 and it, and it goes here. Whatever you sing, say, or do should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus as you give thanks to God the Father because of him. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Quotes there. That phrase means something, okay? And it's important. It means in the authority and the character of Jesus Christ. Now, who is Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is the anointed one. Jesus Christ is the Savior. He's God. So this is saying whatever you sing, say, or do, just remember you're doing it in the authority and the character of Jesus Christ. Now, that'll put some pressure on you. That'll help you right there with what you sing, say, and do. Because as a believer... You are supposed to be doing all of those in the authority and the character. Why? Because you're representing him. You're representing him. You're telling people you're one of his. Don't do a disservice to Christianity by living like the devil and telling everybody you're a Christian. If you don't want to be a Christian, don't be a Christian and don't lie about it. If you want to be a Christian, act like one. Amen? Because you have a responsibility to represent the person that you're telling everybody that you are following. And it says, so we're going to sing, say, and do from the authority and character that comes from Jesus. We're going to do it from a thankful heart. And then I'll wrap this up by, by giving you this information. A fellow named Bob Briggs in a message that he shared, he made this statement. I'm going to give you the first part of it. I want you to hang on to it. I'm going to come back to it. He said, a free-flowing river purifies itself. Get that in your spirit real quick. Now I'm going to read you the rest. <clears throat> a free-flowing river purifies itself and is alive with life. So also is the Christian who becomes involved with others in sharing the gospel. That Christian will discover the reason for his or her existence being involved in the ministry of, of a witness is essential to finding the fulfillment we desire as humans. That's good stuff right there, folks. That's why we're here. That's our purpose. My purpose in life can only be found and fulfilled when I am singing and saying and doing from a thankful heart the praise and the worship and the glory that God deserves. That's what I'm here to do. That's the only way I'm going to be happy. That's the only way I'm going to be fulfilled. It's the reason why I'm on the planet. Everything else, your family, your job, the things you have, God has allowed those just to make you happy, but those are not your purpose. God put me on this planet. You say, God put me on this planet to be married to so-and-so. Well, God did put you on this planet knew you'd be married to so-and-so. But that's not the primary reason he put you on the planet. 
he gave you so-and-so to make your life happier while you were pursuing your purpose, which was to worship him and bring others to him. So let's go back then for just a few minutes to that free-flowing river. Wow. Here's a, I want to paint a picture. I want a, I, I, Holy Spirit, help me communicate something here. I want you to see your spiritual life as a free-flowing river sees itself. Because here's what they say about a free-flowing river. That if, if humans would ever quit polluting one, it would purify itself. Now, that's not going to happen until the Lord takes us out of here and gives us new heavens and new earth. We'll have better sense on that one, I imagine. But the truth of the matter is, is, according to that statement, because of the velocity of the water, it will purge itself of anything in it that is dead or anything in it that doesn't belong. It would find a way to purge itself from that impurity. What if believers would begin to see themselves as free-flowing rivers? What do you mean, Pastor? This all has to do with faith. Because wherever you lack faith, you will build a dam in your river. Huh? I'm lacking faith with money so I built me a dam over here to keep some just in case the river goes dry a lot of believers struggle with that one a river is never worried about damming up the water that is in it it's not trying to hold on to the water that's in it it knows that there is a perpetual river running behind the water that is here as long as it doesn't dam itself up all it is trying to do is contain the volume of water that's going to run through it this can be money this could be anointing this can be health this can be family because guys we figure out lots of ways to build dams wherever we're not sure we build a dam it's a good word listen How pure is the soul that finally acknowledges I'm just here as a conduit of praise and worship. So if God wants to run money through here, all right. When this money's gone, there'll be more. If God wants to run health through here, if God wants to run family through, if God wants to run the anointing through here, I'm not going to hold on to this anointing because I know there will be more anointing coming. I have faith to believe that there's water behind the water that's here. I don't need to try to hang on to this water. There's a whole lot more water back here that's going to come once this water's out of the way. Isn't that an amazing way to look at what's happening in your spiritual life? Pastor, 
as a free-flowing river, I stay purified. I stay open. I stay productive and effective all the time. Because there's no point in my ever shutting it down. So here we are. Let me approach my spiritual life like a free-flowing river. So that from a thankful heart, everything that I sing, say, and do, may it bring glory and praise and worship to God. So that others would come to know Him the way I have. And then all these stagnant pools around us would become happy. Ever seen anything good in a stagnant pool? Even the tadpoles can't wait till they grow legs to get out of there. They're like, as soon as I get legs, I'm out of here. I want to be, I want to be open. I want to be free flowing. I want to be pure. I want to be a conduit. Not a, I don't want to be a shut off faucet. I want to be an open conduit of the blessings of God. So there they are. I am thankful for power that comes from my prayer. I'm thankful for peace that comes from my belonging. I'm thankful for purpose that comes from my worship. It's good stuff, huh? As they lead us in this final song, I want you to get your notes and I want them to bring you with you around the altar, there at your seat, wherever you want to do it. Lay them in front of you and say to the Lord, am I an open river? Show me where I'm damned up. Show me, God. Am I singing what you want sung? Am I saying what you want said? Am I doing what you want done? And if not, where do you want me to change so this dam can come down and I can live a purified life of free giving? Let's find ourselves a place and pray. God bless you.